was fine then, but now I'm now not. you're gonna pee your pants. Now I am this close to like rupturing a kidney. Okay. everyone and welcome to May We Geek Again, uh, episode 57. We are a podcast covering sci-fi shows through the lenses of philosophy and dick jokes. Um, right now we are covering The Expanse and we're going to be talking about season three, episodes nine through ten today. Um, we do uh, talk about spoilers, so if, I don't know, somehow you found us because you happen to just be watching season three for the first time, be prepared that we will probably spoil things. But we also might not because we actually don't remember a lot of things <laughs> that happen. So, anywho, um, this week I am joined by uh, frequent guest Bubs. Hello. And this week, uh, we have an extra special guest, Jen, uh, OG Jen from the original days of this podcast. I'm just special. I'm not extra special. I was about Thanks to comment. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. no. I Go fuck yourself, special. guys. <laughs> I, I'm disconnecting. No, I'm not. You I'm just nothing else throw your headphones <laughs> off in disgust. Screw you guys. <laughs> and then Bonsai looks up and is like, I thought we had a deal. You're going to be quiet so I can take my fucking nap. <laughs> See if this podcast works without me. <laughs> Sorry, bubs. You two are extra Thank special. You. Everyone on That's here all I'd is like extra to hear. special. Everyone gets a fucking participation. You're just making me relive my childhood like Clarissa Mao. (laughs) Which we will get to. Um, All right. So you can find us on social media, on Twitter, and I want to say Facebook, except I never actually go on Facebook. So your best bet is to come yell at us on Twitter, or you can find us on SoundCloud, um, soundcloud.com slash again. Our Twitter handle is also, coincidentally, again. And if you feel like writing us a really long-winded essay that uh, will put to shame our analytics, uh, you can email us at again at gmail.com. Um, I think that's that's about all of that. Uh, what is everyone drinking today? I, it's it's sort of weird because we are recording at you know not lunchtime on a Sunday, but maybe someone is brunch drunk. I don't know. <laughs> I wish Jen. Jen, you got no. tea? Yes, I have my tea. Is it microwaved? microwaved? Of okay. course. PG tips. PG tips. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, As mm-hmm. the English do. <laughs> <laughs> Was that an English accent? Uh, maybe. <laughs> no, no. It, it was great. It, it was. It was good. It, it was. was just, it was something. It was the flossing of English accents. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> wow. Um, Bubs, what are you? What are you chilling on today? Um, I think I was drinking this last time, but remember how I talked about that Trader Joe's wine that I'm like obsessed with and have been like hoarding. Yes. Well, uh-huh. so I've continued to every time I go there, I'm like, I'm just gonna get a bottle. I just, I just need one bottle, and I'll go in and I'll see like how little stock they have left, and I'll buy like six. So you come home with a case, <laughs> basically. Anyways, so it's what's called special the pass. about this wine? It's just delicious. It's a Sauvignon Blanc from uh, Marlboro, New Zealand. Did I say that right? No, probably not. Marble, blah, blah, blah. Sorry, Kiwis. <laughs> it's a mouthful. There's a lot of like marbles in your mouth when you say that. Marble row. Marble row. Mar- Can somebody else say it? Is it like the cigarette? Yeah, it is. Marble row? Marble okay, Yeah, no, it's. What a horrible what name. A horrible name. <sighs> Anyways, New Zealand, where like the best Sauvignon Blancs Sorry, are made, <laughs> and it's like, it's not sweet, but it's like, it's citrusy in a, like a very pleasant way. Is the best I can say it. 
Okay, so it is All tasting right, notes yeah. on May We Geek again. That's the only um, note I can taste. I have, like, no sophistication when it comes to wine. So maybe this is terrible. <laughs> like, Who knows? <laughs> white wine boozy. Yeah, basically. Um, so for the it, – it's been a while since I've had a beverage, but I had this leftover from last weekend. Um, so I, I bought a couple bottles while I was at Whole Foods, and I was like, I'm going to be bougie. And then I was like, these are expensive. <laughs> We're going to get two of them. Um, and then predictably, I only drank one of them. Uh, Hitachino Nest, the Ooh. little uh, Japanese uh, – a beer with the owl on it um and this is their red rice ale how is it um it's good it's it's um it's very it's kind of it's similar to like a a a white like a like a belgian white Mm -hmm. um white beer um so but it's kind of uh, it's got a little bit more like malty flavors because it's 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 actually rice based Mm -hmm. um and so it's kind of got um yeah like a yeasty malty flavor to Mm -hmm. it um yeah, it's it's very mild. I like my Asian my Asian beverages uh, because I hate fucking hoppy bullshit. <laughs> um, so yeah, now that we have uh, wasted everyone's time for a bit, um, let's get into the into the unless everyone anyone has anything else they want to they want to yeah, say before good. it goes long. My uh, my tea is really nice and not hoppy <laughs> at all. Do you put um, anything in it? Are you are you lemon? Shit ton or you of, a shit a shit ton of uh, shit ton of sugar. Why don't you just make simple syrup in on the stove and just drink that? Well, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Next. Um. All right. So episode deets. We are talking about three hundred nine. Uh, intransience. Uh, did I murder that? I. Not sure. Uh, written by Hallie Lambert, directed by David Grossman, and 310, Dandelion Sky, written by Georgia Lee, and also directed by David Grossman. Georgia Lee, who is now a The 100 writer. Really? Oh, poor, poor sweet baby. I know. She, 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 <laughs> oh, she hasn't Georgia. tweeted about Wait, it Did she come on for season five, or is she six. only there for season six? Ep- okay. Six. Interesting. Oh, Georgia. Hmm. <laughs> poor one out for her. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she'll do something good. I, I mean, she hasn't tweeted about <laughs> the hundred since like the very beginning, so maybe she got to go back on the expanse when it was picked up by Sci-Fi. So who knows? I don't know how it works. Oh, right, because yeah, all of them were like, "Fuck, we're out of jobs." Yeah, I think that's yeah, what it was yeah. basically. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh. Let's get into our overall episode takes. Um. Let's start with you, Jen. Okay. Well, my my takes really aren't like overall <clears throat> just episode takes, but since this is my first expanse podcast with you guys um wait did you not do any of season one or two i was all no, i think i, I wasn't in, i wasn't invited i wasn't invited let's i wasn't invited awkward silence <laughs> 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 awkward silence here uh all right okay well, um so i just found out that my new uh my new co-worker uh watches the expanse do we like is this co-worker? attractive yeah is- yes he's actually um i interviewed him and he's uh, a native irish guy Ooh. So of course I I now did you do an Irish accent? Yes. Oh no! Why did my my Irish accent? (laughs) Because I it just popped out. Oh Not during the interview, of course. Now leprechaun from Lucky Charms. (laughs) No, he's on board. I was just like, I'm going to use my bad (laughs) Irish accent with you. So now he hates you. (laughs) That's Scottish for what it's worth. (laughs) No, he's 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 a really cool guy, but. uh, you know, we were, you know, we were having teamings this weekend, and I mentioned that The Expanse, I watched The Expanse, and he said, I watch it too, I love this show, I really love how it's very faithful to the physics and science and yeah. shit. I was like, yeah, I don't care about any of that shit, <laughs> I like the characters. 
So that kind of sums up what I care about when it comes to this show. And I also have a special, very, very special message for the Sci-Fi Channel. Fuck you guys. <laughs> like, seriously. Why did you guys cancel this show? It's so good. If it weren't for... <laughs> If it weren't for Lex Luthor saving it, we wouldn't have a season Dude, four coming. I, what is happening in this alternate timeline that I am like on Jeff Bezos' side for right? two things? Like, well, yeah, the I mean, and his dick pic. I'm <laughs> like, 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 like let's not make a mistake. Yeah, he's getting extorted by. He's getting extorted by the National. Wait, Enquirer. have we seen yeah, it? And he- no, like that no, was the whole thing. That's not the point of this oh, scenario. The, the point is the 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 National Enquirer. We say Dick Bub him. says where. That's yeah, exactly. Wait, is the National Enquirer the one that protected Trump? Yes. Oh my yes. God! God. It all ties together. Wait, and Trump has this whole beef with him. Like what the? It's f- a whole yes. fuck. It's a whole thing. But it's point whole, is, I miss basically, basically, Sorry. Bezos basically wrote an open letter on Medium and was like, these guys are blackmailing me over a dick pic. Yes, I took a dick pic. We've all taken dick pics. I'd rather it didn't get out, but fuck it. You can't blackmail me. Release it. Um, so yeah, it's a whole fucking thing. Yeah, he published their emails to him, basically. Yeah. In public. Yeah. But point <laughs> is, we're, he saved the expanse as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now if only he would pay his uh, his workers a fair wage. Yeah, separate um, issue. Yeah, so that's why I call him Lex Luthor. Yeah. Um, but I just like, I just don't, I do not understand the general state of genre TV anymore. It seems like, it seems like the, the people who should be dedicated to genre TV, such as a channel called Sci Fi or Siffy, what would actually want to show about would actually space? show want to show about space. Guys, have you seen this, the status of the History Channel? <laughs> Well, uh, I mean, no, fair. I don't. I don't go over there. Um, <laughs> aliens, <laughs> aliens, and Nazis. My f- two favorite. Things. I mean, I like the alien stuff. The Nazi stuff, not so much. But yeah, but that's that's the point. Like, there's, it's, it's unfortunate. I mean, what not false, false advertisement? I I wrote. So Netflix asked me to fill out a survey, which I did, and it was long, and it had essay questions. And at the end, it said, hey, do you have any other things you'd like to tell us? And I went on just a diatribe about um, their how they mistreat genre TV and how they cancel travelers. And there's like no place for good genre TV anymore because it's not going to show up on shit like CBS. And then in parens, I said, but CBS All Access is actually really good. I said all this to Netflix, <laughs> who was just wanting to know who my favorite characters from Sex Education were. Um, <laughs> They're I, like, whoa, I, lady, whoa. I, feel, I kind of feel strongly about genre TV and finding like a safe space for it to actually exist and thrive without the uh, without the necessity for having eyeball more eyeballs than anything else on TV. I mean, it just uh, well, so thank you, Lex. Lex Luthor for saving the show, but it just like TLDR fucks up. I wish like you could like so when you subscribe, you say like I want eighty percent of my subscription to go towards like sci-fi show production (laughs) and like stuff like that. Like because it's like I think we're all willing, we are willing to do Netflix and Hulu and all this stuff. It's like at what point do we get to like direct where our donations are going? (laughs) Like. I mean, and ninety nine percent of the zombies out there would be like, "Here, re up friends for another year for thirty bazillion dollars an episode." <laughs> oh, that's true. Oh, Maybe that'd be worse, actually. Yeah. Maybe Anywho, my idea is terrible. 
what were your takes, Bubs? Um, I this is like where so I got through the two episodes and I was I was trying to write this my overall takes and I was like, okay, okay, this is where the show kind of slowed down for me in season three. Um, and it, again, it's like these aren't bad episodes. Um, like there yeah. actually is like a lot of like great stuff that happens in them, but I think the other pairs of episodes were really great, like self-contained arcs that happened and this one as much as it's like about like the getting to the bottom of the ring and what it means like we're it's still like transitional and so like these two episodes by themselves we're just like it's not the full story so it's which it's is less engaging. like I, I i totally get what you're saying in terms of 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 it being sort of a like a, a sort of two bridge episodes mm-hmm. Um, where, like, they're kind of winding up part of a story here and opening another part of a story over mm-hmm. here. Um, but but I wouldn't exactly say that these two, <clears throat> excuse me, slowed down for me, just because, like, I found the first half of this season very slow. Interesting. And so these these two, I'm just kind of like, all right, cool. And then, like, <laughs> by the end of the episode, when we saw Drummer and Ashford in, in that in that big-ass, like, engine or whatever the fuck room, and I was like, <gasps> next episode, next yeah. episode. Oh. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, where they're going to, like, get trapped and talk or whatever. See, we, call, we talk about spoilers, new listeners. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, for me, again, like, I guess maybe these weren't the slowest, but I can totally see what you're saying in terms of it being, like, nothing gets sort of resolved in – Either of them. Yeah, and I guess, like, I'm not at the point where the proto-molecule is my end-all be-all of, like, interests. But, like, I definitely agree with you that the drummer and um, Ash – I always forget his name. I always call, call him old man. And I mean that in <laughs> the know, best way because he is incredible. <laughs> um, but, like, I when I saw them in that room, I was like, oh, yes, we're getting to that one scene because it's so good. It is such a good, like, culmination of this, like – tug of war that they've had together um so yeah good stuff is a foot it's it is just that um <laughs> is it a foot <laughs> yes <laughs> wait was that another accent Jen? A foot. <laughs> it is a foot in the ring the special ring anyways never mind that's a bad joke <laughs> um all right uh i think i think that that pretty much sort of covers our overall takes uh i i would say that i really like the theme of sort of choosing your own family and somehow like sometimes we maybe make the wrong choice um but that's actually something that i think jen you talked about a bit in your notes and so i would like to you know talk about that more once we get into the episodes okay um just because i think that that was like a pretty hard-hitting theme especially for like the these two episodes specifically um but I also feel like in some ways these these two episodes aren't best served going chronologically through them. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking that we could just okay. kind of pull out um, – I have some notes at the bottom of our run sheet about just talking about very specific sort of moments, um, if you guys think that that's cool, unless you guys really want to talk about it in chronological. No, I want to go through each episode beat by beat. Like actually <laughs> – no. God damn it. Um, okay. I was, I was, I kind of had a panic. Um, so I, like, oh, I, I just want to ruin your fucking Sunday. I did this prep work. Um, and by prep work, I mean half-assedly reading through the notes. <laughs> you cut and paste things together. That's okay. fine. Cool, 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 cool. So, uh, first, I think, I think we're going to start off a little bit slow. And speaking of family issues and being loyal to people that maybe we ought not to be loyal to, uh, let's talk about Melba Toast. Um, <laughs> Melba, oh. 
Melba slash Clarissa slash oh my god, you have daddy oh, issues. Oh, what a Jesus tragic Christ. story. <laughs> like, on the one hand, like, I liked her when she was this, like, unknown entity, and then, you know, we, we come to find out that she is Mao's daughter, and so you think something nefarious is afoot, and then we get these flashbacks, and you're kind of like, oh, you just have, like, really, like, you are trying to win the love and affection of a man who is never going to love you the same, the the way that you want to be loved. And like, that's sad in a way, but I'm also just kind of like, you're a grown ass woman with like <laughs> bajillions of dollars, like tiniest of violins. For <laughs> I agree. But at the same time, it's like, I think because Joe, you're an only child and Jen, Maybe, your yeah. siblings are like so much older than you. Um, I have to say that, like, it was, like, a mind fuck for your parents, like, being compared between siblings and, like, having your parents say stuff like, why aren't you, like, why don't you like talking to people like your sister? Like, why don't you, like, and, like, so, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say it was triggering for me, but, <laughs> but like, I get it. I get, enough. like, how deep those, like, wounds go where where it does kind of skew, like, what what is important in your life to the point where you okay. could totally like have these um these like crusades that you don't even realize how fucked up it is and how like how yes you're a grown ass person like you know the best revenge is living a good life like you know <laughs> um instead you're kind of just like oh, I'll show them <laughs> um and so i get that and like i think that like she wants her father's love so much and she um but she's never going to get it. Like, she doesn't she understand doesn't get- that no matter what she does, she is not going to be Julie. Julie, as you made in your notes, Julie versus Jewel, like, Jules Pierre Mao, like, she was named after her dad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Clarissa was not. But, like, it's like she can't. She was named after Toast. <laughs> <laughs> Her dad was actually a really big fan of Clarissa Explains It All. Oh, my God. Like, okay, guys, guys, guys. When you go to a restaurant Uh and you're getting soup and you get that little cracker basket, Uh Melba Toast is the last cracker that you choose, right? I don't even know what a Melba Toast is. See? Millennials. (laughs) (laughs) That literally makes no sense. (laughs) But Melba Toast, uh, it was was invented for some opera singer, right, who was trying to lose weight. What? At least that was the weird You know story. the history of Melba Toast? <laughs> I think so. Hold on. We're going to – apologies. Uh, apologies, listeners. Oh We're going to go um, – oh, yes. Here we go. Sorry. Um, it is named after Dame Nellie Melba, the stage name of the Australian opera singer Helen Porter Mitchell. Um, its name is thought to date from 1897 when the singer was very ill and became a staple of her diet. Um, blah, 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 blah. Peach Melba was a dessert created for her. Um, okay, so it's just, it's bullshit. Like, it's it's kind of, like, very, 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 very thin sliced toast that is then burnt to a fucking crisp or toasted mm. to a fucking crisp. And so it's, just, it's, it's, a, it's a bullshit cracker. Got it. Yeah, it's like a, a rye cracker type thing. It's not, it's just, it's just not good. I mean, it's not as bad um, as the Swedish crackers that are, like, it's No, fiber. but it's similar. I know exactly what you're talking about, and it is on par with those. Is At it? least those have, like, little seeds in it to, like, give it Ugh. some texture. Anyway, sorry, what were you we talking about? Well, I don't know. I went on a carb journey. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you guys Did you guys actually think Melba's motivations and her backstory was anything? Like, I thought she was a ama- – I thought she was just a contrivance of the plot. Uh, I thought – her motivations were shallow. I get the daddy issues, but 
I didn't really get to see really how deep those those rifts were. I like I didn't understand anything about her aside from this kind of layer of family drums that I'm like, okay, that we're supposed well, to anybody a lot. Well, you yeah, do have to kind and of I don't. It a lot. I mean, I'm kind of like family drums as a as a motivation for her, given that her dad is a complete garbage fire. Yeah. Makes no sense. I, I, I didn't like her background. I didn't like, I didn't like her thrown into the plot, but for some reason I actually do like this character. I just don't like her, her motivation. But I think it's more than like, so I think parental relationships can be super fucked up, right? It's like, you just want that love so badly. And even though it's like, it's clear as an outsider, like, you know, this relationship is fucked up. Like, it's not your fault. Like, go do something else because, like, it's never going to give you what you want. But she can't believe that. Like, she – it's, like, so a part of, like, who she is. And so, like, if you think about – she idolizes her father and um she sees him as he pioneered the proto-molecule and, like, you know, he was part of, like, the whole, like, discovering it all. And she she probably doesn't know all the really shitty things about it and all, like, the child testing and all that other stuff. So she sees it like, yeah, who knows? We don't know. There's no way to know. Maybe we'll find out eventually. Um, but like, she sees it as like, Holden is getting all this credit. Her dad was imprisoned for it. Like, her dad, like, he's not getting any credit for like, being part of like, the frontier discovery team on it. And so I think it's like, she feels like if she avenges him, and she um, clears his name, and makes people realize that like he's you know he should be credited in part for the proto molecule um i get it from that standpoint that she is trying to do that and in um because she loves him and she thinks that by doing this that he'll finally see her but but then there's that line that i want to say that jen marked down or maybe maybe it was you um about about uh Julie basically saying, like, dad's never going to love you. Yeah, but you, she she says it, but like, between having someone say that to you and you believing it, it's like, it's a different thing. Like, someone can tell you, you're never going to go to the Olympics, but until you never go to the Olympics, (laughs) depending who you are, like, you're going to believe different things. I guess I guess I I side a little bit more with Jen on this. Like, however, I do understand. Like, I appreciate what you were what you were bringing to the table and explaining on this one, Bob. Mm-hmm. I guess it's just like we weren't shown enough mm-hmm. to be able to get the kind of depth that like I would need to I see think, to where I would accept this as like her motivation. I think we really missed like um, I think the missing piece is like why does she love him? And I think like my leap is that like. Of course you love your parents and like there's like things that happen to my, my I think I have great parents but every parent makes mistakes. And so there's things that like happened in my childhood that I'm like wow that was super fucked up and like I went to therapy <laughs> for it. But like um I still love my parents and like so I think that like it would have been helpful to see a more complicated relationship with her father where he does Say, do something nice, nice. yes exactly because like we got we got no reason for her to be wanting of his affection because you're like oh he's just an asshole yeah. like he is 
like mean to you. Yeah. And so if she is fighting for that affection and all she ever gets from him yeah. is meanness, then I'm like, you're not you're not super bright yeah. and making good decisions. Now, if he is abusive in the sense that like sometimes he gives her like this affirmation and affection that she's craving, and then other times he's very withholding, then I can see like why she would want to like strive after yeah. that and get more of that like good feeling except we never saw him be yeah. anything but an asshole and this is where i think i'm bringing my own experience to the table where like my dad has like a ter- like my dad is a great dad he's like dedicated so much time and energy into like his kids and like sacrificed so much etc cetera, etc cetera. but at the same time like he's a short temper there's times where he's just like snapped and said like the most heinous things like possible and like at this point in my life like he will still, like, want – it happens a lot less, obviously. But, like, he'll say stuff and I'm like, oh, God. And I'm just, like – I just have to wait until he comes back. He's like, oh, my God. I'm so sorry I said that. But, like, as a kid, I didn't know to, like, just wait for that. Like, I didn't get it yet. So it was, like, a confusing thing. of like, but he loves me, but, like, he sometimes says really mean things. So, like – I think that we didn't we didn't get that moment yeah. where it's not there and like Mal I'm like surmising that that's what it is because I'm like projecting my childhood. And I don't think that that's like a necessarily a wrong thing. Like I think that I don't think it's a reach to also infer that. Yeah, but it's also but not shown. I I needed more of that to be able to sort of wrap my head around why, as as Jen you so put. eloquently uh put it why is melba going on this suicide revenge mission yeah jules pierre is garbage yeah i mean you can think of it as kind of like it's a um in her case it's like it's you can see it as an abusive relationship like why does a wife go back to her abusive husband like it takes on average that i learned while watching the r kelly um (laughs) documentary on lifetime that on average it takes leaving somebody six times until it sticks So it's like, why do you go back? Like, why does someone who's getting beat up go back? And it's it's complicated. Like, there is a cycle of abuse. Um, And also, so here's one question that I had though, out of all of that exchange. So there was that moment uh, at the party that uh, Melba threw and that her dad shit on and her sister decided that was the moment that she was going to make her stand and say that, you know, everything's terrible. I'm going to go live with OPA. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, you know, fine, I'm just going to take my racing ship and go. Me. Um, <laughs> what? Who paid for that ship? Like, I kind of want to be like, yo, your dad bought that. Oh, man. Like. You know well, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, Julie. Yeah. yeah, he paid for it, but he's not going to say no to, to Julie because he because Julie's the favorite. But no, that's like a she's the youngest. It's wait, is Julie the youngest? I think that she is given the dynamics of the whole situation. I think so. She's named after like the man. oldest. That's actually much worse than for Melba. I, sorry, yeah. like you would think that the first would be named after. Yeah, no, I I don't know. I just just the way the dynamic worked out and just kind of the. The way I don't know it, it it just she seemed like the youngest because she was spoiled mm. and given the leeway to do whatever she mm. wanted, even though Jules Pierre was not happy with her decisions. I'm trying to look uh, it up. It, it just but. it just felt really it, it felt indulgent the same the same way that most uh, youngest siblings are treated by is the parents. To me, seemed oldest. It is very much a thing. Again, I say this is an only child. I, like to Look. me, she seemed like an the eldest child, and um, Clarissa seemed like a middle child. Oh, so maybe there's a third Mao. 
Well, yeah. There's I mean, one, two, be, three, Clarissa four other be, ones. Um, wait, there's four mouths? Four children of Jules Pierre. Do we see? No, no. no uh, I mean, I'm looking up on the Wikia right now. <laughs> like, like in the books? Okay. This is, um, Man, I have to look in the books her. because, like, we don't know on the show yet. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that it says. Well, blah, blah, blah. listeners, if you have read the books, and maybe we'll just check in with Alicia, who was actually, she wants to come and guest on this, but travel travel stuff uh, uh, prevented her, so we will probably have her on for one week. Yeah, I was, I was like the, the last resort guest host. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. You were, you were not. not. I put out the call, and then I was like, you know, what if I just asked Jen? And you were like, sure, I can move some stuff around. She is the younger sister of Julie Mao. I don't even like that's some fucked up. Yeah, the the writers are going to have to go back and and fucking work that out and and flip that because it's just not in my opinion the youngest it's accurate child, though as an oldest child. <laughs> wait, wait, so in the books uh Melba slash Clarissa, she's the youngest? She's younger than younger? Julie. I'm trying okay. to Okay. Peter is um, is the younger brother of Julie and Clarissa. So she's a middle. And then... Well, I guess if she's a middle child, then that makes a little bit more yeah. sense. Everything about the way that they interacted and the way they, they spoke to one another, just... It it, do, it doesn't work out that way, uh, in my mind. Because I know what it's like to be the youngest and to be spoiled you're, and indulged. You're, you're very much younger than your siblings. So I feel that it's like, it's almost more of an only child dynamic. But like, I don't know. Like, every, every family is different. So it's hard to just like compare it. Mm-hmm. Well, if, are you guys, do we have anything else that we want to say about Melba? Um, well, let me look. Uh, I liked how I think- complicated she was. Like, I, I appreciated how much backstory they gave her although as you said like we didn't get the piece of like how exactly like we see the negative of her father but yes why does she seek his approval like is there is there like a positive side that she wants to like cultivate with him um but yeah i think it's just like not every show would dedicate that much time to trying to give perspective well she's also very important in the finale as well um her her actions so like she seems like a very smart person who does yes. some really dumb dumb things <laughs> like hi hi i'm melba i'm but i'm really the daughter of jules pierre mao and i want to kill holden like as soon as <laughs> like every single person she tells her secret mission to it's like you're not really good at this yeah you are not covert cia <laughs> yeah you you suck at having a mission that you don't want anyone to find out <laughs> Um, and then you just murder everybody who does. Uh, so well, I yeah. mean, maybe that's Every- her like fallback, you know? Yeah, <laughs> maybe she just likes murdering. I do hope that we get more explanation on this like weird drug that she like apparently keeps in a cyanide right. capsule behind her tooth. Like, um, did she steal it from like one of her dad's research? Yeah, I have I have Project. questions about about what that is. It actually kind of reminded me a little bit of uh in altered carbon, the the stallion drug that they take where like you like 
Hulk out in rage, <laughs> or we're actually watching Runaways right now. So when they when like that the, the girl the girl sort of like I love her ends up with yellow eyes and like throws shit. Um, but yeah, I kind of wish that we had more explanation about that. But you know, what are you gonna do, right? Oh my god, it, it is the shortest lasting drug on the face of the earth. Right? If I don't if I don't kill you in this next 15 seconds, I'm just going to fall asleep. <laughs> right? Like you just have to run away. <laughs> oh my god. Like that's it. Oh uh, anyway. Um let's Do you go- guys think we're going to see her in season 4? Uh, or do you think that she's done? I don't know. It's hard to say because like I would have never thought that we would have seen Julie again except we totally got her in flashbacks at the end Wait, of season 3. Wait, doesn't she die? Melba? Yeah. Did no, she, she doesn't. I thought she died. No, she didn't. No, I just watched the finale yesterday. She didn't die. <laughs> we spoilers, Jen. Jeez. Wait, but what happened? Because she, I thought that like she Are did we... like one last sacrificial thing to make things right, and like in doing, yeah, so... she didn't. She got shot, but she got shot in the side. She was fine. Oh, okay. She's sh- she's shown at the end in a hospital bed, and Anna comes oh, and holds her hand. I must have not been paying attention and just assumed she died. <laughs> <laughs> Typical that's, me. That's great. Well, why are you on this podcast about a show? I'm not there yet. (laughs) (laughs) Not all of us over-prepare and marathon the show every time we come on a podcast. I want to keep it fresh, so I don't, like, rewatch the episode until, like, right before. Sure, 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 sure. Shut up, Rust Nation. Drink your tea. Okay, what's the next subject? (laughs) All right. Speaking of shitty parents, uh, let's talk about Anna. Let's. Oh, wow! How dare you? Wait, why? How she's dare not. You? She's not a great family woman. No, she, her, am, her ambitions. But like, here's the thing. Out, it's fine. Everything else. It's fine that she does not like that. She is not good with family. But that also means know yourself well enough to know that, like, maybe you shouldn't have started a family. Yeah, like that's not you know. And like, well, I mean, that's kind of the theme running theme throughout the show is like. Family isn't all that great, maybe? (laughs) Or, like, the family that you feel obligated to. Well, Well, yeah, I think a lot about the show is about obligation and kind of the flip side Isn't, like, your default family. Like, she did. That was her found family to an extent (laughs) Um, that she decided to unfind. I guess. (laughs) Like, not not great with the kids. Um, Apparently not great at being a minister. Well, she... Um, no, she's really good at being a minister. She's just not really good at at being distracted from something that really interests her. Well, it's I mean, it's all very like her, a her job as a minister though is to like know what her sort of priorities should be. Look, when you're about to enter into <laughs> a ring of extraterrestrial origin that constructed itself in your solar system, and you're like one of the first human beings to experience what that's like. And Chatty Cathy behind you was like, hey, yo, I heard you're a Methodist. I am too. You want to chat? I'd be like, look, dude. Timing. <laughs> I, I'd be like, she, she, she ghosts him so well. Oh too. She's like, excuse me. Like she has to go talk to somebody else. And she just walks forward. <laughs> oh my God, she's totally clean. like at a party. She's like, mm. I need you know when you just like when you're at someplace terrible and so you just go into the bathroom just to like make your escape or you just like you're just like like go to the coat room whatever bedroom it's de- designated the coat room and you just like lay on all the coats <laughs> you're just like you're just like in the corner petting the dog um the dog yeah i mean she, she, a small child like, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay but yeah i i get where she's coming from like 
dude, I don't know who you are. No, me too. But I'm about to have a moment here. Could you shut the fuck up and leave me alone? I completely understand that. And I understand the appeal of it. But like at the same time, I'm just like, you are adding nothing. You are just on the joyride. And it's like, you know, all these scientists are doing their stuff. And and you're just like, oh, whoopee! Like, it's just, I, I have trouble sympathizing with her. And... I just don't understand why she's there. Or, like, I think I wrote in my notes, like, what is the purpose of, like, making sure we know how terrible and useless she is, basically? Wow. What? Terrible and useless. Okay, so. <laughs> and I, I also so when, isolated, like. When she saves huh? Naomi from, from Melba Toast uh, on the Rossi, that was useless? When she, when she has, uh. Amos imprint on her as his new favorite human being that was useless like I I don't get it I think I mean she's fantastic she helped bring down Aaron Wright um at the first ha- the first part of the season like I understand how she doesn't really serve a purpose on the ship right as now. it's about to go into the ring because they they basically say we're going to get rid of non-essential personnel which means you know no the the crew and the scientists stay but everybody else go on get and of course the only thing that that helps her stay on board is Tilly who's blackmailing like the first mate or something right, Tilly like also useless mess. I love It's fantastic. I love these people. I love that she is just like just like an unapologetic like rich garbage person. Yeah, I mean at least she's admitting that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I guess, like, yes, Anna has been in the right place at the right time. And I guess you could say the same for Holden, et cetera, et cetera. It's just, I don't know. And I wrote in my notes, is this, like, internalized misogyny? I don't know. I don't like her, though. And I, in the, this stretch of episodes, you're right. There's, like, more that happens in her story. The whole Aaron Wright thing, though, she was kind of like super useless until she got a message from Christian, right? And that's it. That's the part she played. Well, she she was the the angel on the uh the shoulder of the I don't know who you call the head of the UN. Well, she was successful up until that point. I mean, oh, who, with uh, Esteban? who who knows what more damage uh Aaron Wright could have done if she weren't there. And then well, I mean, we can't make light of her revealing to that guy, the, the head of the UN, um, Christian's message about uh, uh, Aaron Wright's treason. So, I, you know, she's she's very, very important, I think. I just don't think she doesn't have a, a job that we find useful in society in general. Um, but that would be like saying that a social worker... On a but ship, she, the, not her useful, one job, she fails at in this episode. <laughs> well, let's like because so. I don't think that is her chose. I don't think that's her chosen profession. I think she would much rather be a spectator, be a scientist, or an explorer, or somebody's figuring shit out. Yes, exactly. She has she has skills in other. Yes, areas. but then, but if she does not have those skills, why is she there? Is what I keep coming back to. Um... It just it feels self serving, and well, so what, so self serving to herself. Yes. 
it's extremely self-serving. Yes. Well, I mean, we had There's that whole a part conversation of that- where, where she was talking with, with the priest who apparently is allowed to get married now, which is super weird that, <clears throat> excuse me, they, they are allowed to still have religion, but I guess priests can bang now, which is great. Um, but he was like, I have a family. And she just had this look <laughs> on her face of like, so do I, but. And that's, but isn't that a, um, it's a, uh, it's a, a kind of priest. Um, the priest from the Church of England. Um, a vicar? Anglican? Yes. But to, bo- to which one, Bob? The Anglican, I believe. Oh, they can marry. Yeah, there are there are priests that can marry that do are outside wear the, the Catholic collar, Church. Though? Yeah, they yes, do. Yes, they do. I, it's it's like, super confusing. It's, they're not. A, <laughs> You're like, so are you one of the priests that fuck or not? <laughs> it's um. Well, I mean, they got well, into the package deal when um the king was like, I need a divorce. I will yeah. change the religion to whoever says I can do the divorcing. And they're like, okay, it's, but we get a legit fuck and and from God. <laughs> I mean, it's well, you know, priests have a direct connection to God. They really obviously. do. Is yeah, it? they do. Yeah. I believe White them. men just mm. doing what they want and making up rules. Oh, as they've so you've done been here forever. before. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so let's talk about. Uh, so we, we we talked for a second about Anna's sort of failed counseling of suicide guy. Um, and I feel like you guys had differing sort of reads on on suicide guy. Um, I thought he was unnecessary. Yeah, like, just another another plot contrivance to show us the 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 fear of the unknown. Which you know we we always spoke about fear. I think with Amos, where he's like, I haven't felt fear since I was five. And Alex is like, I wish I was that way. And and, and Amos is like, No, you don't. <laughs> but I I just I don't like using these side rando characters that you've seen like once before. And introduce them for a major thing that happens. Well, how did you feel about about uh, Sp- Speed Junkie then? Speed Junkie, I well, that's that's completely different because it's not using suicide as a contrivance to show fear. Speed Junkie actually forwarded the plot of what Got the it. ring did, or what could, or what could happen if you enter the ring when they saw him liquefy. I don't even know, like. Was he liquefied or was his shit pulled he, off He his was bones? stopped like, in mid, like, while he was going super fast. So basically his body was crushed by... His the, body, like... In, like, immediate left. stop of um of his motion. So he, Whatever was not being held down by his safety, like, harness continued moving forward. Yeah. So do you think, he like, liquefied. his flesh flew off his yeah. bones? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh, this show is so good at gore like i keep saying this but like seriously it's just it's It's really it is really really good at gore but i just like you know suicide or rape as plot things that happen i'm kind of i'm really over it find something different find something new guys like to me it's lazy i thought like it was about anna i thought it was about showing that she was being selfish she's there for one job and she didn't do her job like it wasn't so much about like showing fear it was to me it was about her story and her um being there for herself and not for the wait so did this dude get fridged for yes yeah yeah so so does that make you feel uncomfortable that some guy's suicide was really to uh to forward her own story because it made me upset with her um it but like I understand what you're saying. Um I think I think her leaving her family behind 
shows exactly who yes. she is. She doesn't need this extra rando chatty Kathy was talking to me, now he's dead thing on top of that. That's why I thought, like, the way he was looking at the screen that, that was showing what was happening inside the, the ring and the unknown whatever it is, the fear of, of what's going on out there and what could possibly happen to you. I thought that was what they were trying to to do. And, it, and if they were trying to, and if they did fridge him uh, in order to further her story, it's even, it's even lazier than I thought. I mean, I'm not Harsh fully words. against fridging. Um, I'm more against it when it's, a show that continually does it to female characters the way that it has happened historically on television, but in the sense of like giving more context to a character and like being part of like the narrative, trying to tell you something um, in that, from that perspective, I'm not so much against it, but I still understand what you're saying. Like it, yeah, I just I just think Anna is a really complex character because she has these competing desires and we we think you should be home with your family and your child. Um and somehow we're giving Alex a little bit more of a pass on that than we give Anna. I think that's true. Well, and is that because Alex is a pilot? Yes. So we see that he is doing something, you know, materially. Well, I, I don't understand. If you think what you are doing is important, if you are underwater basket weaving and if you feel that's truly important do do we get to criticize that person for saying look f- family just isn't the top of my list of priorities i mean are you a good basket weaver and do you I, say I this say. directly to your spouse as like a, being honest my dream is to underwater basket weave and your spouse is like i support your dreams but you're really bad at it and you've been doing it for 10 years and you have not gotten any better <laughs> well that's just the thing though so like I don't I don't like giving Alex a pass because he's part of the Rossi crew and we tend to like the Rossi crew versus mm-hmm. Anna, who doesn't have a marketable skill um, other than maybe being a nurse once. Um, you know, she's I does she have a she has a doctor title, doesn't she? I think so. But, but like from a know, PhD in what? Yeah. In in, in like know, probably like or something some bullshit shit. <laughs> um, so it's just we we're valuing people based on what they can do versus what they want, and I I think sometimes we get a little gender specific with these things. So that that's so you think just we my would take. care less if it were if if Anna was were a man. Yes, well, I, I do. Okay. If, I think I think if you switched, I think if you switched the two um, genders, if if Alex were a chick and um, Anna were a dude, I don't think Anna as a dude would be getting quite as, as much. much Honestly, though, I feel like I'd I be mean, more comfortable like just disliking him <laughs> because, like, I think with Alex, it's like he's. He accepted that he was a shitty family person. And it was shitty. Don't get me wrong. Like, what he did was super shitty. Um, The fact that he's continued on this journey because they're doing something, like, to me is different than Anna just, like, getting a free ride to go see this thing. Because she's, like, a rubbernecker. I would... 
I totally empathize with Anna in the sense oh, that, yes. like, fuck yeah, I would want to do the exact same thing. For sure, yes. I would absolutely want to go to space and do all same. that. But I think, I think in some ways the fact that the three of us on the podcast especially are very, very, very secular humans, um, you know, her sort of Skill set is desire. extra annoying. Yeah, Quote, exactly. Unquote, skill set kind of, that she doesn't even exactly. do well. <laughs> like if she were a nurse or something, yes. or she, you know, that were that were her like main thing at the uh-huh. front. Not I used to be a nurse. We'd be like, fuck yeah, of course stay or whatever. Sure, if she like, like went to like medical and like pulled out gloves and snapped them on, and was like, what can I do? I'd be like, yes, okay, fine. That which she does eventually, I think, help with, but like, yeah, she's not a nurse. <laughs> But I well the the thing okay so the thing with Anna I think that she's trying to do very deep down is justify her her life's choices because she even says um, when they're about to go into the the thingy um, technical the ring term, the thingy yes she says it's the first miracle that's happened in my lifetime it's the only miracle that's happened in my lifetime never mind the birth of my child. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's not a miracle. That's a biological thing. I can explain it to you later how all that works. But Wait, what? <laughs> I, she's she's looking to justify her belief and her her life's dedication to the supernatural. Uh, and but she the, doesn't need to be on the front line of, of it. It's still going to happen. Of Christianity. And she's going to find I'm, out about it. But like her... But, 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 but even Tilly says it's, it's different. It, it's Tilly's like... Yeah, it's completely different though when you're watching it on a screen versus experiencing sure, it firsthand. But that's like the like, all, privilege like, of a rich like, person whose know. mommy got her a job. Exactly. I'm not saying like this is justifiable from that perspective, like from a a utilitarian "you are useful, therefore you belong here" perspective. But you too know that any of the three of us shit skills for space. That we have, we would be first in line to be like, hey, hey, yo, can you get me? Can can you get me on this ship too? <laughs> Since you're like blackmailing the dude, can you get me a... How, how a, wide a, is this blackmail net? Space? Is it a blackmail like, package? Like, like, can I, like me and my friends, can we just like stay on board and like hang? Um, because you want to experience that firsthand. Anna wants to see the face of God. And this is her only chance that she'll ever well, have in her lifetime. I mean... <laughs> To be Are we surprised? And Anna, sorry to tell you, <laughs> this, this ain't it. It's not Holden. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I just don't. I just don't dislike her as much as as you do, Bubs. I think it's probably because of the the actress, and it's probably because of her her actions at the beginning of the season, and then later on when shit starts to to go down on the Rossi and and uh, on the Behemoth. And I. I kind of almost wonder if that's sort of one of the other things that we've sort of been been talking about in terms of making the wrong sort of familial choice um, in terms of her like sort of having the clergy as her sort of family that she sort of forced herself into in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sort of realizing that like, I mean, yes, she's good at it. She's good at talking Is to people, she but she's also... <laughs> She well, is though. So, so her failure with Nemirov, don't you think I that I love that you know all of these these names because look, you, I like recently up. rewatched. Yeah, like, well, because, no, I had himself. to look him up because I didn't I didn't remember his name exactly. So I had I did have to look it up, but like, so her failure with Nemirov translates later into her success with uh, Melba. Yeah, 
because she does counsel Melba and she does stop Amos from killing Melba and and she spends time with with her as somebody who will listen to her and who isn't going to be judgmental the way everybody else is. She doesn't pose a threat to her. So I think that she does serve a purpose, just not with the person that we didn't care about anyway. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I, we, we, I think there was also, I can't remember whose notes, uh, had, had a note about just being surprised that religion was a thing. Well, yeah, that was my, that was my, um, well, actually. Oh, sorry, your, sorry, we can save it. Yeah. We can save so, it. Yeah, my we bad. Get to that. Sorry for the spoiler, everyone. <laughs> um, do we have anything else we want to say about Anna Banana? Anna Banana. Um, are we going to talk about um, family? It, do you want to talk about it drummer, now? Because we're about to talk uh, about drummer Naomi Ashford and the Belters. Well, I just, okay, well, it, maybe it, it's good lead into the next thing. So where did I write it? Where did I put it? Um, so it okay. So there's a lot of parallels between a lot of lot of the characters on the show, like between Alex, Naomi, and mm-hmm. Melba, about about family and the the, the people that you kind of associate with. Like, if you're a Belter, you have Belter blood. You should be hoorah for for, for Belter um, shit for Belters. And if you're like Bobby Draper, you should be hoorah for the uh, MCRN. Um, but it seems like this, <laughs> it's really weird, but it seems like the show is telling us that family and nation are kind of garbage. Um, and, and it's really just an accident of birth. And it's really, so, you really have to go out and find your own family. Yeah. Um, which totally speaks to me because like, I'm not a big fan of like most of my family and I don't think nationalism is all that great. I don't find that just because you you were born in proximity to a lot of other people that you should be a hive mind about it. So I, I feel like Naomi is a little bit put off by Belter um, culture and the nature of of kind of the the brainwashiness of it at times because she she felt that she because she was like firsthand experienced that with the OPA and got disillusioned. Um, and then Alex like ditches family uh anna ditches his family um so it's just kind Holden of like ditched, what is ditched it? his family his his commune his his poly his, yeah, seven his, his family his mother yeah his his seven his seven bazillion parents <laughs> so it's just you know i'm a big sucker for found family i love it but it's it just like I just don't know what this, what the issues that the authors of this had with their family, that this is such a <laughs> who prominent theme. Her, who, who did hurt you? I mean, I think, I think what we, we definitely saw with Naomi, especially in reaction to Drummer's speech, which on the one hand, as you're watching it, like you, it is a moving speech. It is amazing to see because Drummer like gets everyone behind her and all that sort of stuff. But then at the same time, we cut away to Naomi's face and see, you know, just this sort of like this moment where you get to see all of it click in her mind, all of these sort of doubts that she had been having about being on the ship and with, you know, quote unquote, her people and sort of realizing that like her people are actually on the Rossi. Um, and we can definitely talk about Naomi and drummers breakup and, you know, later on when we, when we get to that. Um, but, you know, to, to sort of have this moment of realization that yes, I care about these people, but I shouldn't, sacrifice what I want out of an obligation to them because that's not that's not a fulfilling life for her nothing is worse than feeling obligated to uh blood or connection based on accident of birth it's just like it's the worst um 
you have to you have to feel affection for the people that you're surrounded with in order to have your motivations mean something more than you're doing it because you have to because you don't have a choice i i don't know with my family what i like about it is that like i know that they're always stuck with me and that makes me feel (laughs) secure in our relationship and it's comforting (laughs) so you you well it's also comforting if your family isn't garbage too you have to have a good family relationship in order to feel that way. And there are a lot of people out there who just have garbage yeah. families who unfortunately also will feel deal, obligated to them. Yes, who feel obligated to them and will may, who will stay in toxic relationships with family members and you know to the own detriment of their happiness and mental health just stay around. I mean, again, it's a cycle of abuse that isn't uh spousal but it is abuse nonetheless well so 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 to that point um in terms of drummer and naomi's breakup which is what i'm fucking calling it (laughs) i mean i have to side with you because i don't remember it being that like textual angsty because yeah it was angsty and she's she makes it like leaving me and and when she says like our people she's like i love you (laughs) Well, so so there was a moment where Naomi said, "I came back, back, uh, I came back for the wrong reasons," and Drummer says, "I'm a wrong reason now," and you're like, "Excuse what? me," um, you know, which fine, we'll say that they're quote unquote friends, even though that for real felt like a breakup. Though later on in, in the next in the rest of the season, it kind of got to the point where I was sort of accepting that Naomi knows that Drummer has feelings for her, but right now they're platonic because like Drummer was totally like third wheeling with Naomi and and Holden, but never mind all that. Um but like you know, Naomi sort of realizing that she came back because of this sense of obligation out of out of you know she is belter so she must be loyal to belters whereas she was just one one belter on the rossi that had people from earth and you know people from mars and you know that that it was it was kind of funny and, that this and, was and a protomodic and a molecule whatever it's a wacky sitcom <laughs> It is. Like, I kind of just want them, like, one episode. Like, you know how they were doing the episode where, uh, you know, the, the the filming crew was filming them? Like, I kind of want to see, like, what that episode was. And so, like, there's a laugh track. It's a multicam. Like, there's, like, a theme song. There's a freeze frame at the end. You know, the, the, whole, the whole package. <laughs> um, I mean, I... But... Go ahead. I just, like, to me, I didn't... Um, the message wasn't like about found family it was about like i think that the way i saw it was that where naomi feels that she can be most loyal to her belter family is on the rosinante playing the role that she's so good at with um the rest of her team so you think that she's still loyal and that they are still her family? I think this they're still is her the best way that she can. Yes, serve them. I feel like they're still her family, and she, like she said, she loves them and drummer, and will always love and, them. Yeah, and I think Yay. it's about like it's not about cutting the ties and just making your own path. It's about like honoring those ties and the and like this does not count with like abusive relationship or anything like that. That shit's yes. Fucking like dump that down the toilet, and it's not fair to people who have dealt with that. Um, but from the sense that 
the family that she grew up with and nurtured her in a sense. Um, she does best by them by doing what she does best. And, and I think it's like seeing beyond like the lines where it's like, you know, being friends with Gunny, like, and Gunny being friends with them. And it's not like, you know, they're all, it's like cutting down the walls between like the Martians, the Belters, the Earth, the UN. And, um, you know, it's like they, they're slowly realizing that the real, um, the real thing that they're all fighting against is not each other. It's like, um, it the friends we saving humanity, et cetera, together. And like the best they can do it is together. So like, I don't know if that made any sense. I feel like I just like went in loops, but I, I, I don't think that that's at the top of her mind and her motivation because you see twice in this, this season, where she feels out of place and not wanted. Um, first time on the, the Rousey after everybody finds out that she gave the protomodical to Fred Johnson, who does anyone ever just call him Fred? Right. Cause there was like Fred Johnson, Fred Johnson. <laughs> like, I don't, I just like, are they like, no, not that Fred, Fred Johnson, not, not Fred Matthews, Fred Johnson, <laughs> the guy on the, the Tycho. Uh, you thought I was talking about Fred Matthews? Oh, no, 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 no. No, I would not. No, no. no. Fred he Johnson. He would not do with the protomolecule. But no, Fred Johnson, the guy on Tycho. Um, I feel like so So after that, she was like, ugh, this is awkward with everybody on the Rossi. Um, until a little bit of her backstory was revealed and, um, and, and uh, Holden kind of forgave her. But the rift with Amos still exists. Um, and then when she was back on uh, Behemoth, she just never felt like she was comfortable. Like she didn't feel like she fit in. And I think that you kind of, I think that she understood that she, she couldn't stay um, because she had to be back with who she, who she felt most comfortable with, even after, what she had done to them by lying to them and, and, and what she did with the protomolecule. So to me, that was kind of like, to me, that that's a very interesting issue for Naomi because she just doesn't fit in very well with, with Belter. She doesn't talk like them. Um, her accent you know, was stronger mm -hmm. in the first few episodes when she went yeah. back there, but yeah. But but she doesn't have the same patois. She doesn't say me instead of I. Yeah. Um, she doesn't have like kind of the the shortened, uh, shortcutted speech like they do with, with some of the things that they say. And they, she doesn't have their accent really. Um, so I, I just, I feel like she is... A person who doesn't feel very connected to her people. She might even feel a little um, taken advantage of. Because it seems like her time in the OPA ended very badly. But I think it's we're and, like we're equating the OPA to her people when it's her people and then the OPA. So I do think that there's like a difference between the two of them. I, it just, I don't, I don't think there's much of a difference. I don't think there's much of a difference with the mentality of the Belters at the end of season three. It very much feels like OPA type rhetoric and pride in where they've come from. Even though Ashford is an interesting case because he's trying to legitimize them when he feels like he's the original, like he's OG OPA 
type dude who runs guns and blows up UN skiffs and shit like that. So I th- just think it's interesting, like, the different dynamics within Belter society, more so than any than any other, like, Martians or, or uh, the UN. Yeah, they're the ones we've seen the most of, which is nice. Yeah, but it, it's like, like, where are the really skinny, tall dudes? Like, what happened yeah, to what those happened? people? That was the weirdest thing, is that, like, Belters, for the most part, just look like normal fucking people right now. Well, because we're with the ones that I think are on space stations that have closer to 1G versus yes. um, on the asteroid belt, it's a third G? So we are the ones that, like, we're... Okay. I'm not sure. I, that, that, that could be complete bullshit. <laughs> Don't call Fine. me. Fine. Um... I'm trying to think what else what else we sort of had. Like, I, I feel remiss if we don't talk about just Ashford being awesome. But also, like, as a viewer, until we get to the next episode, you still really don't trust his motivations. Mm-hmm. That's true. Though he did apologize to Drummer in this episode being like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Which, like, m- kind of gives a glimpse of, like, oh, he's not, like, a total, like, shit He's not bag. a total asshole. No. And, like, no. It it would have been easy for for them to make him a complete asshole, but they they never do that. They like swerve from a, a, an all out coup like several times. Yeah, where you, the entire time you think that he's there to like yeah stage a coup mm-hmm. and sort of consolidate power for himself, but th- time and time again, despite us as the viewer sort of expecting this thing to happen, he genuinely is trying to work for. The Belters, mm-hmm. not himself. Yeah. And, and that means, and that's kind of weird in, in that it means like, I think, who was it? Was it a drummer that says like, said something like adopting the behaviors or, or dress of your enemy is, makes you weaker or like your enemy or something like that. Like she, she's very kind of old school. We shouldn't have uniforms. Yeah. We're Belters. We're not like the inners. Um, and Ashford, you'd think he'd be like that because he's a fucking pirate. Um, and, you know, he was he's the guy that was back in the day doing a lot of disruptive things. But now he's he, it was his idea with the uniforms. He's trying to maintain rank aboard the behemoth. He warns um, face tattoo guy off of his uh, his treason talk. Basically, mm-hmm. he he. He seems to understand that the Belters need to mentally evolve in order to be to be seen as equal to the inners. And if that means wearing uniforms and adopting some of, of the, the inner traditions and cultures, which, you know, you're, you all came from the same same place, you know, he's... I, I just love that guy. He's so he's much. Great. He's so and, great. And, and he does, like, um, Strathern? Strathern's his last name, right? Yeah, David Strathern. Yeah, like, does an amazing job at playing that sort of, like, at first we don't really trust him, but he's so charismatic. And then we kind of get to the point where you're like, okay, like, he is doing, he's not a bad guy. He is an effective guy. I forgot that, that he, that we didn't know at this point that he wasn't a bad guy. Because I, I just remember, like, the next episode in that whole scene. Um, and so this episode, I was like, yeah. But then, like, I that scene where... um. 
Drummer's like, oh, yeah, I'm sure that, like, when I was gone, you told them, like, don't challenge me, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, my God, he did. <laughs> so I forgot that that we were definitely in a state of mind to think that he was still, like, about to start shit. Potentially nefarious. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we see throughout, like, you know, th- these couple episodes and beyond that he's never doing anything from bad intent he's trying even at the end when he's trying to stop our little rossi crew from from what they're trying to do he thinks what he's doing is right and the way to save humanity so it's not like he's he's not power playing for out of sense of ego or narcissism he's always like he never takes advantage of of anything of any situation until he's absolutely called to do so so i think I appreciate how they developed his character. I think he was one of the best additions to season three. I mean, I I so hope he's back in season four because he's fantastic. And Anna, I, I see you're in your notes, man. I hope Anna. Yeah, I like I like four. I like Anna. She she brings a different perspective to the table that isn't. She's not political. She's not. Um, I also just love Elizabeth really, Mitchell. Like I've always yeah, loved she's, her she's, in everything. She's, she's 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 a very good actress. I really like her. And then if I just can get like the the Anna and Amos dynamic back in my screen, I'm fine with that. <laughs> like like Anna is, has completely replaced Naomi for Amos right now. I don't think Naomi and Amos and and, and Amos are ever ever going to get back on the same page. Really? I think they like, will. What is the point of that journey? I don't know. <laughs> it, see, the thing is, like, there were there were two times where he had the opportunity to to reach out an olive branch to Naomi, and he didn't take it. So I'm like, oh, this is this is awkward. And you know how he's just uh, he's just not good at expressing emotions. So when you open the door for him and he doesn't walk through it, he might never walk through it. Does that how, how does that make you feel? Like, are you you're fine with him having now glommed onto Anna as his like? He seems as his to Jiminy imprint Cricket. on like one person. Like it was, it was uh, Prax before. Yeah. It was Naomi, then Prax, then Anna. Which um, is an interesting thing for like who is a character who is so shown as this like lone wolf and sort of doesn't need anyone except he always sort of has someone. He's like one of those crocodiles who like really likes a bird to live on his head. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> I think he he knows like he's self-aware. He like understands that there's something about him missing and I think like his memory of like who he was before whatever happened to him happened um is what drives him to make sure that he has somebody who's going to help him make better decisions. And I think with Naomi, he needs her to prove that she's able to be that person again. And until that he can empirically see in front of him that she is trustworthy again in the sense of being a moral compass, because that's the issue. It's not that he's so much that she so much betrayed him. It's that she stopped being who he thought she was. And the whole point of the relationship was that she was his moral he needed compass. That from her. Yeah, and he, he, yeah, that's a really interesting point. And so he's, yeah, that is a, that he is needs a good to point. see it. He can't just forgive. He needs like he needs proof that she is able to be that person again. And I think like from just like a general sense, like he's not, he's not gonna like make things hard for her or like 
just hate her. He does. It's not that. Like, it's just that that close relationship where he looked to her before he did anything. Like, it doesn't exist because he, she is no longer that person that he thought she was. I think that that's a really interesting sort of differentiation that you're making in terms of Amos's sort of motivation because the rest of us would see it as, like, she betrayed me. Mm -hmm. Like, this is, I can't trust her because she did this thing to me. And it's less about that with Amos and more about she served sort of a grander purpose in his Mm -hmm. life. And so he can't trust that about her right now yeah, because we and i think that that also would make forgiveness a little bit easier as well because it's it's not personal for him not. necessarily because we've never seen him to show pride like he's never pridefully lashed out at anybody so it's not about the fact that she betrayed him or it's you know it's it's more than that i think her judgment in his yes. eyes was compromised interesting um is there anything that we want to say more about the Belter situation. I don't know, Joe. Is there? I don't know. I'm. I'm just. I didn't want to like move people <laughs> along too quickly. I get yelled at when I moderate because people are like, "Yeah, we have more to say," and I'm like, "Well, fine, say it." I don't know. No, I'm good. Right. I just want to make sure no last words. I'm trying to look through here. I don't think. I mean, we love. Uh, wait, Jen. Sorry, this is my question. Oh, okay. Okay. So you are not a fan then of Drummer's battle speech. I thought it was great, but I saw it also from from uh, Naomi's perspective. Um, it, the the thing that I didn't like about it that it, it was it was um, making a hero out of a dumb kid who slung sh- slung shot his ass into liquefaction into the ring. Is it slung shot or slingshotted? Slingshot, sling, slingshooted, <laughs> slingshotted his ass. Into the, it's like I, I hate I hate the propensity for people to 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 like lionize somebody who did something that was really kind of for, dumb for, for, that was really fucking dumb for really fucking re- bad reasons. Um, what but love is a good a, enough reason for you, Jen? Look, <laughs> you, you saw look you look you saw his girlfriend back on Sirius Station. She was like. Not she was like quality. a seven and a half. We didn't know what they she were working like, with there. <laughs> right? All we saw was her face. So <laughs> also like his brother's body was like why was he wearing a thong? A. B, like, yeah, of course you can't compete with that. Limited underwear dude. resources, Bubs. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's really no way he's gonna compete with with his brother was hotter, yeah. sorry. Yeah, Ooh. even as in his little banana hammock. <laughs> Um, I, I I don't know. It's just like I, I'm I'm kind of I kind of steer away from these these hype people up speeches. Um, now, like I I just I don't know. It it, it just I just don't. I thought I thought it was good. I, I think Drummer did a good job delivering it. But I'm just like, yeah, there's a lot of bullshit in there. There's a lot of rah rah stuff that's going to get you in trouble later on if it's going to be belter versus inner all the time with this show which i hope it isn't because i'm i'm over that dy- dynamic a little bit um i still like the political intrigue angle of it but uh i'm hoping that it's not going to be a kind of a retread of some of the tension we saw at the beginning of season three with with war and shit like that i okay. think like, so like well 
I think it's building up to the this the episode we're getting to with like the they generate gravity and are able to like help people and so it's like mm-hmm. what are they bringing to so i think if it wasn't the belters doing the rah 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 thing i agree that there's like um the discomfort of nationalism that it, like touches on um especially in our political climate today <laughs> um so i can understand that part being uncomfortable and from that standpoint like for sure like it's not cool but from the standpoint of like this underdog society that just wants a seat at the table um and we work up into the the next episodes where they help people right <laughs> yeah so that they they kind of they kind yeah then, yeah, then it's happens. like then it's like cool you're, you're- you know the, the, my only my only caution is that sometimes a sense of inferiority can flip on its its head and become a sense of superiority um, once you inject pride into it. Um, like I get that that living in the conditions that the the Belters lived in can kind of like breed that weird sense of superiority that we're tougher than everybody else. We've survived more than everybody else. You have to be a certain breed of person to live out here in the belt. Um, so I just like, it's, it's superiority that isn't based on privilege or riches, but it is still a sense of superiority. And you can really, um, stumble into some very troublesome themes and things when, when you feel that way. So that, that was the only thing, but I think it was, it was necessary at the time and it gave us a good insight into who Drummer is as a leader. Yeah. Like it was her moment Um, where she was finally like sort of figuring out that she had to lead. Yeah. She was able to inspire. We needed to, to, yeah, we needed to see like why Fred Johnson put her in that position to, to captain, as Ashford called it, the only belter warship. He's like, this is a warship. You have to captain it. It's our only warship. Like it is the belts most prized possession at that point in time, which I got to ask, like, how did Fred Johnson? I wasn't gonna call him Fred because you get him confused with, with Fred all Matthews. the other Freds. Yeah, yeah, the other Freds. Yeah. Um, how did he square that with the the Mormons? Did he pay them back, or did he just be like, eh, "Fuck y'all"? You know what? It's our ship now. We salvaged it. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that he licked how'd that it. Work? He probably licked it yeah. while they weren't around, and that was dibs. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that is accurate, and that there's probably a lawsuit afoot or something. <laughs> I, I wonder if there's like if there was a if since it was a salvage operation, if there's like laws that if something's dead in space, it's up for grabs. I mean, I don't see why it wouldn't be. Well, right? well why it was a salvage? They they stole it. Finders keepers. Yeah. They stole it. They were building they, they it. They did steal it and fling it at arrows. What? Oops. Didn't they? Didn't they steal it and fling it at Eros? And, Ar- and Eros was like, "Nope, dodge, <laughs> swerve." I mean, they commandeered it for suppose for good reason, for greater yeah. good. And who cares about the Mormons? Like, what are they going to go populate? I mean, to be fair, yeah. Deep like the space? fact that like we're dealing with Mormons in the future, I'm like, oh, really? Oh Jesus! <sighs> like the one that survived is like the most boring of sex. We're <laughs> <laughs> just like. Yes, there's a magic hat. Go write your Christian Fine. fan fiction. <laughs> oh my, my god, right? <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I hope there's I hope there's a ton of Mormons listening. No to offense. I know no Mormonism too. makes your family very sweet, and that's like a very big positive, and the church is very supportive. 
if not homophobic. It depends on how gay, depends on how gay yeah. or not white you are. Yeah, exactly. And how how female you are. Though as to be well. fair, uh, when I was a little, when I was like an infant, uh, before I was like, I think up until the age of two, we actually lived in Arizona. And, uh, and my mom is a doctor and my dad, like, you know, worked, I still never actually figured out what he did, but he did something. <laughs> um, anyway, and so, you know, I guess it, like as, as daycare, instead of like dropping me off at daycare, there was a Mormon family that lived like down the street or something. And so my mom just would just like leave me with them, like, just like drop me off with this Mormon family. Cause I guess like, you know, to like good Mormons, like a good Mormon family, what is another kid? <laughs> Kind of a thing. Like they didn't even like know you were there. <laughs> kind of, kind of. They're like the, the oh, sister wives took this her, one smells like poop. Let's change her. Like that was it. You know what I mean? Like Wait, what is one yeah. more? Which sister wives' child is this? <laughs> kind of. Or you know, it's like it's like when they when 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 uh, that one tiger like lost its like babies or whatever, and then there were little piglet orphans, and so they like dressed them up as little tiger. <laughs> cubs and like left them with a with a you know predator cat did this and, happen know, in china like fine probably yeah. probably um <laughs> you know and you're just like well fine you know whatever i've got i've got these boobs full of milk let's <laughs> let's do this um i am basically david attenborough uh they have called me for oh planet earth okay oh okay um oh i didn't God. i don't i breaking news on this podcast i wasn't actually supposed to talk about it but this is my next career journey i'm so happy um, for you <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, all right. Uh, do you guys need a break or do you want to keep on moving on? We can keep on moving on. I'm fine. All right. Okay. All right. Um, let's, uh, let's finally talk a little bit about the Rossi and murder snuggles and spacing um, homegirl and her <laughs> blind friend who I still can't figure out why he can like feel technology, but that's, <laughs> I guess we're just going to hand wave that. Well, you, you saw, like you saw the, the, uh, the stuff that they, that he had on his hands and arms, right? But like, like uh, what is it? Like, I want the specifics. It's probably, it's, is it like the people who now, like, put magnets in their fingertips so they can, like, feel electric? Like, is it just, like, really hardcore body modification? Yeah, it's basically that. But I, I would, I was assuming that, like, the stuff that they had implanted under his skin helped him see. Like, I don't, I don't know if it's, like, hooked into his, ocular nerves or his brain or whatever that he can actually see through his camera. I think but he could. That's what yeah, I thought. That's why I didn't even know that he was blind, even though they say it like two times, two or three times. <laughs> I did not realize he was blind. This on dude's the first blind. Time. You're like, he's blind? <laughs> and that's why Murder Snuggles couldn't send him out alone because the 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 suction suit or whatever it's called. You can't sense uh, with it on. Yeah. Yeah, you can't sense with it on. So he had to send a reporter chick with him. I thought... You know, Murder Snuggles, you are a kind man. <laughs> well, no, it's not that he's kind. It's just like, that doesn't make sense. It's not going to solve their problem if he sends out the blind guy without being able to, like, actually do his job of letting Find him. Where, where the fuck he's Yeah, going. it's like, it's like, so his whole, I think what I wrote was his problem solving skills are kind of helped by the oh, yes, fact I like that, yeah, he doesn't, he's not beholden to any kind of moral code. So he finds, like, it's almost, like, Clark-like, where he finds, like, the clearest solution, um, and it's like, great, we'll send them out. Listen, your problem's solved. Yeah. What are we bitching about? What? what? Like, the problem is solved. What are you bitching exactly. about? Exactly. Like, we need, we need to tell the people that we didn't do anything. 
But we can't tell them because our comms are fucked up because of this asshole. So this asshole and his little friend are going to go tell them that we didn't do it. And that's like, that solves the problem. <laughs> so like, but also, it's also sort of in some ways too forced rationality because you're like, you think they're going to help you now? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I kind of wanted them to like pin a note to their suit you know, like on the back or somewhere that they couldn't reach to like rip it off and just, you know, please open to be, to only be opened by someone official, <laughs> um, you know, just to, I don't know, like have proof of it or something because mm, it's a lot of faith to put into two people who probably hate you right now. <laughs> well, that's what, what, um, what did he say? He's like, I was gentle. I was gentle. <laughs> I was being gentle, which, yeah, I guess. In in Myrtle in Murder Snuggles uh, vocabulary, he like he let them live. He's ba- while just having them like pay back by like fixing the sh- trying to help fix the problem. He's basically like he is totally Lenny, but like not dumb. <laughs> if Wait, that who's makes Lenny? sense, from of mice and men. Oh, I don't remember that at who, all. Like, like. Oopsie doodle, oopsie doodle, uh, murders people. Oh, oops. Um, and puppies and stuff. And you're like, well, what are you gonna do? I've just got these big meat hands. I just, you know, crush things. What are you gonna do? Um, it's not, you know, he, he thinks he's doing a good job. Um, oh. yeah. Yeah. Though we did get some, like, him. a little bit of, like, humor, uh, which as, as we're moving into sort of the Miller issue of, uh, like, they're surprisingly funny. With Holden and his hallucinations. Yeah. Um, without making it laugh at, oh, haha, let's laugh at the guy who's hallucinating. Yeah. They sort of like walk this really interesting line of like Holden being super mad that Miller is not there right now. Yeah. And like when he's talking with Alex, then he slams the door and he just, you just hear a shout Miller. of like, Miller. <laughs> Miller. I agree. Um, I liked how they I did enjoyed. that for sure because it's like, you know that Miller is real. And his friends are doing their best to be supportive friends, even though they think that he might be crazy. Um, <laughs> so it's like it's like this, like if you have a loved one who's maybe a little bit crazy, it's still like done nicely and that they're being supportive. And the humor is really in like the way that everything is revealed <laughs> and not so much like making fun of anybody. So I thought that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Shit, what else did we Holden gets Holden gets the benefit of the doubt from a lot of people. <laughs> right? Though though I feel like we're really like especially with the next part where he does decide to just like fucking leave and go out into space with his, you know, hallucination Miller and go to Is it a planet? Like how big is this thing? It's, it it's small. not a planet. It's 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 very small. So I'm confused then because Miller was saying that like this is an entire civilization. Like, it, what? Why does a civilization have to look like ours? I mean, I guess I just kind of pictured it would be bigger. <laughs> no offense. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't mean to be I, sizes. I think it's it's uh, it's from another civilization, but I don't know if it's all that, of it. If the civilization existed in there, because then that civilization would exist within that station inside the the uh, the orb or whatever they're in. So I-, I thought it was maybe an artifact of that yeah. civilization. I thought it was like the messenger slash AI tech from this civilization that they sent out to try to solve this problem that they have. 
Yeah, I feel like all of this was kind of we didn't get enough. Like, well, we are the amoeba stuff. to Mozart, so what are we supposed to do I, about? That's well, fair. okay, maybe actually, maybe it is part of the civilization, but but housed inside. <sighs> <laughs> I kind of want to ask Alicia and just be like, so listen, are we going to get Murder Snuggles' actual backstory in the books, like, therefore on the TV show, and or do we actually get a real explanation for all of this? Because I feel like they're being a little cagey and trying to build mystery, but I'm also just kind of like, shut the fuck up, Sarah McLaughlin, and like, tell me tell me what's actually happening. Well, I kind of I kind of like where they're going with it, because apparently something has killed off this civilization, and and... They were so scared that they would burn entire solar systems out to to avoid getting to, to avoid getting killed or to cut off access. I don't know exactly what the reason was to just destroy yeah. uh complete galaxies um to avoid whomever was was coming after them, but the station itself is a records room. So it could be that the civilization is just like one entity or a, a number of things connected together to form a civilization. They could be super, super small little cellular things, but the protomolecule doesn't know what happened to it, to its creators, right? Yeah. So that's why it's going to the records room. So like, I have a question. Okay. What? The protomolecule seems really, 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 really extra. <laughs> if, it's, if its whole thing was just to come to our solar system to build a ring that would create an entryway into uh, this orb, why didn't it just do that from the very beginning? Why did it go and, like, kill a bunch of people and then overtake Eros and fling itself into Venus, then pull down the, the Arbogast, and then uh, come out of Venus like a big old octopus pimple thing and then go all the way out to uranus and then start to build this ring like why did it just be like you know what we're just gonna build a ring out here well they need um, materials and like cut out all that they shit they need materials but then also like because miller because he really liked miller's hat yeah <laughs> that's true i mean yeah no i, I just like I, I i need somebody to explain to me why the protomolecule did all of that all shit all of that just to build a ring so so they could, um, I guess, travel to this particular solar system. And it just seems like the protomolecule, is, like, is the protomolecule um, doing what it's automatically programmed to do, and then it figures out that its creator is gone? Like, I don't understand. I just don't understand what the protomolecule knows about itself and the creator, because it just seems... Like, you go through a lot, a lot, a lot of trouble to get to the station when you could probably just go to one of the other rings that you've already created and just well, get to the station and, from there. And why does it have to be Holden? Like, this is really the question. getting into a lot of, we're getting into a lot of, like, once in future king type of shit. Um, you know, where Holden yeah, is like, very clearly the chosen one. Like, and I kind of... Why? Another magical white guy. Why? <laughs> Always a magical white yes, guy. Yes, I have that issue too, but that is the question because like Miller says, complete the circuit. Why is it that Holden is the one that needs to complete the circuit for them to get to the next level? Like what what about him? Like what, what does, does that even have the mean? Most, 
Holden must have the most thetans, and Scientologists were right, and <laughs> I, I don't know. If that's what the conclusion of the series is, I'm. I mean, that is the <laughs> longest play, and that's well, not that long. It's a show, but that's hilarious. Well, the only, the only thing I can think of, other than the bunch of white writers like the the white savior complex mm-hmm. thing is that Miller and Holden formed kind of a bond together when they were original was it originally no was it Eros that they yeah. got radiation okay yeah so that so that Miller might come to Holden as the th- the person that Miller as proto molecule is most familiar with um and that and and the kind of as the leader of the Rossi will be the one to actually bring the Rossi to where where they need to be. That that's my only thing because like I'm I'm kind of like I'm kind of over Miller as the as the hero of the story like as Miller. well because I don't find him as I'm I'm sorry I, I, Holden as the the uh, hero of the story and and the concentration of all of this stuff because I just don't find him a very compelling character. I, I, uh, I, I don't I, think I, I low key agree with you on that. Um, I I don't know if the performance is a little lackluster for me or if it's just I'm over white dudes being the center of attention. I I just I just don't know. Cue somebody angrily emailing you guys. Right yeah, now. thanks for that, Jen. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. <laughs> oh God. I, I just. I guess I just. Uh, that's the only headcanon I can think of is that Miller and Holden have this connection, and I, I actually I, I really like this version of Miller. Um. I didn't like season right, one. He's Miller way less I, mumbly and like stuttery, which I appreciate. Um. Uh, the thing was like season one Miller, I felt like I was I was getting led down a path of crime story in space type thing, and they completely swerved that on me. And I just Miller and then his obsession with Julie Mao felt really yeah. silly weird really weird and creepy. Like that's that's not cool, guys. Um, who write this shit? Um and then season two Miller because of just because he got with the Rossi crew, everyone is like immediately 50 times more likable with the Rossi crew. Obviously. Obviously. Except for Bobby and Christian because they're like awesome and likable all on their own. 100%. Um, they don't need the Rossi for that shit, but it does. That hurt. was a really exciting like, moment when they finally all came together, I will say. Like, what? Oh, where is that my. Was, that was a nipple rubbing <laughs> moment for me. Oh, Thank you. Well done. Hey. Oh. Um, um, where, where is my Bobby and Christian like. Thelma and Louis, I mean, sh- but like minus them dying at the end. Well, she's she's the leader of the UN now. I pro, know, like I just I like their like buddy sort of. They're so snarky with one another. Yeah, I love but, it, and yet they totally, absolutely would fuck. <laughs> they would. I, I always thought you said they totally and absolutely would would uh, die for one another because both like, they, they would a, do both. Uh, I was gonna much say like um, Thelma and I, Louise. I was. I was going around like daughter Me too. type bond, <laughs> um, so you made it so I was going to say, she's her mommy now, they can sti- but that works too, they, Joe. That works too. They can still be mother-daughter, and we're just catering to Bubs' love of incest, I guess. <laughs> well, oh if God. anyone wants oh, to know, I don't know about the 100 kink this. meme just concluded, and I believe there were two fics written with Clark and Abby, if that's oh. your thing. What sh- what show is this? A show, show that means nothing and should just die now. <laughs> Anyways, continuing on. 
Yeah, I have no memory of this place. Um, what, what what were we saying? Like, I love this weird, twitchy version of Miller, and it seems like he's going to be tagging along to find out what happened to the civilization that created the protomolecule. What a strange show that we basically get. Like, it's almost Game of Thronesy, um, in the sense that, like, you think that these characters are gone, and then you're like, no, 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 they're coming back around. Like... <laughs> One and a half seasons later, you're going to see these fuckers again. Like, I, I, what other show kind of does that in a way? Supernatural. Um, never watched it. It's, it's surprisingly good. It's it's on the CW, so no death ever takes on that on that channel. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, um, like Vampire Diaries taught me that. There's like, well, there was one death, but we don't speak of it. No, on no. The CW. Oh, on another show that we don't watch that that I have no memory. Huh? Um. All right. So, do we want to say anything about Bobby and her and her band of merry? Oh, I wrote how everybody. <laughs> yeah, Bobby's back. <laughs> all right. You know what? I'm going to allow that as our '90s movie <laughs> reference. Um, I did talk about. Oh, I was so Louise, excited to see Bobby. But uh, Backstreet, let's let's call that our '90s reference. Even though it's not technically a movie, it is a movie in my heart. Um, yeah. Oh man, I love seeing Bobby back, and she's like, like has to put up with this the, idiot the bullshit of these new um, of these of of her new squad. I hate all of her her new squad. By the way, all three of those people can fuck themselves. Listen, when Bobby has a feeling about You listen Holden, to fucking Bobby. You, li- you listen to fucking Bobby Draper. She's seen some shit, guys. <laughs> she knows what's up. Oh, man. And I, lo- I love her, um, her, her trust in Holden, but also her caution around him, because she does shoot at him. Let's be real. Um, but I, I just love Bobby I love her Draper. too and I, I like what I took away from it was um from the beginning I've seen Mars as like a metaphor for the US and like um how we came over and from the UK and all the other countries whatever um and we formed this new country and it was a lot of hard work in the beginning um and now today we are s- a lot of people to murder yeah. and displace and now today Um, well, that's the only thing that doesn't track is Mars was just like a wasteland, but, um, today we're these self-righteous gun-blazing asshats, and, um, (laughs) I see a lot of that in Mars a little, well, not a lot, but, like, enough, um, because they're, they're like a corporation, basically, that is now settling and becoming like a country, and so, like, what I love about, um, Gunny slash Bobby is, like, she doesn't just take orders like everyone else that she sees. Um, she, like, she loves her people. She's dedicated to their goals. Um, but she also sees the bigger picture. And so, like, the way that she, she knows Holden. So she, like, she, I mean, it's a nice parallel in some ways with Naomi of being, yeah. like, you had, you went back to this obligation, um, that you sort of had, but then just kind of like, well, now that I am back here and I have all this life experience, this is a little bit shenanigans. Well, but she just sees yeah, the bigger she's, picture. She's, she's been like cued into like it's about more than just like our myopic goals as like our group. Like it's it's like there's something much bigger going on, and we can't apply like our little rules to that. We have to like see beyond that. 
There's, I, I like how Bobby really evolved from season two because she learned with with hanging around Christian and and then the Rossi crew that she could learn to trust people that weren't from Mars and and people who had uh, who had concerns other than just being other than hoorah military militaristic mm-hmm. bullshit like she has come to appreciate that there is that bigger picture as bub said that that there is something more to think about when it comes to dealing with inners versus outers and dealing with the protomolecule and now this ring and the station inside the ring that you you can't just be like well mars is number 1 so let's do everything yeah. for mars cuz that just doesn't work um and Ashford realizes the same thing when he offers folks to come aboard and take advantage of their gravity. Um, but I just, oh, I love Bobby's, Bobby's evolution but like, so much. I don't think and it's an evolution so much uh, as that it, it was always a part of her. When we see her going through the trial, she's like, this isn't right. Like, my my friends died, and now we're just going to take some, like, plea to, like, that's not, like, so she, she's always had this, like, innate, like, um, innate, like, I don't know, feeling to, like, go against, like, what she she doesn't just take orders. She, like, she, she's always been She's capable. a terrible Marine. No, no, I'm, I think that she's always been yeah, capable, yeah, capable kind of, of seeing like, the bigger, yeah. bigger picture. And, like, Christian was, like, the pathway for her to actually do something about it. Because just as a, a Marine by herself, they can, like, you know, dismiss her. Um, but Christian gave her a voice. And... Um, yeah. Yeah. Because I think, like, following orders is stupid. Like, if it doesn't make sense, don't do it. I mean, yeah. Rules are dumb. We needed you. We needed you. We needed you in Nazi Germany. I know. (laughs) I would have been killed immediately. (laughs) (laughs) You know, guys, maybe this is bad. We shouldn't do. Aw. Whoopsie doodles. Um... All right, I think that's uh, that's kind of what we've talked about today. Um, was there anything that we missed in episodes that you guys really just cannot are peeing your pants waiting to talk about before we move on? Well, to I, I guess I have a question for yep. you guys, and maybe we don't know the yep. answer to this, but like when when Homeboy throws Which one? a grenade, Fred Johnson? No, 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 no. If it was Fred Johnson, I would name him as Fred Johnson. Um, as Fred Johnson, first name and surname. Uh, no, when Bobby's squad leader. Th- throws the grenade in in the middle of the station. And then um, shouts grenade at the same time, which I love. Yeah, grenade, grenade. Grenade. Like, this is a good choice. What did the station do to him? Uh, this Besides besides doing what it loves to do to humans is pull them apart. <laughs> that's that's yeah. what it did. I mean, but it, it, it absorbed him, him back into the station. Yeah, like I feel like what it did is, I, I want to say that this, the protomolecule, my understanding of it in terms of its absorption, which... Not great CGI there. Like, let's just... Mm, it was... It, the effects are usually pretty good on The Expanse, but that one I was like... Mm, that's, that's, it did its job. That's, that's not great, Bob. But whatever. Um, so my 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 thing is that I, I want to say that the protomolecule has the ability, and again, I'm just, I'm just spitballing here, y'all, um, that it can take mass and convert it back to energy. 
Um, and so I feel like that's what it did. It like absorbed this mass and then kind of used it for whatever. And or maybe it just. Well, I, I also I think know. like it's um, like we hear Miller say like, um, I'm just a product of like my neurons. And if you like hit the right buttons, but it's, you know, it's me. Um, you know, yeah. you say like, no, I'm the protomolecule. But like I, they're putting my like my buttons in the same order and this is this is who you have and i think that that's like by it it learns by absorbing things so this guy everything that it consumes is like an apple of knowledge and it's just well that that's why it's the records room is that what they called it i completely missed that i don't know is this like the magicians like is this is this the library in the magician i mean well uh, i is the station even protomolecule or is it a different technology? Fuck, Jen. I mean, we assume because <laughs> it glows blue, it's protomolecule, but it doesn't affect the Martians or Holden the way the protomolecule is done I think the protomolecule is, is like Legos. You have tons of Legos and you can make different things out of your Legos. But at the end of the day, they're all Legos. So it's just this civilization's version of... of of universal technology. It's Maybe? like a technological amino acid. It's a building block. Okay. I just I just didn't know like where the protomolecule began and ended right. with with the civilization. Um like is the ring made out of protomolecules or did protomolecules or did it, like, build abs- structure? Or did it use like did it mine Venus and or whatever ship that it destroyed and grabbed all of that metal and like reformed it on the atomic level to like build the ring let yeah like do does the can the protomolecule expand and sort of do whatever it wants and like draw um you know atoms from wherever it needs to build something or does it need something to then convert i mean basically how does it build a wormhole listen (laughs) listen um, actually, that's actually a really, so, so I realized that we didn't actually mention Holden's, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey moment where he. Yeah, where he basically sees it. everything. Yeah, where he sees literally everything and breaks his brain. Um, I still don't actually really understand what happened. I watched um, it a few times and I agreed. Um, the only thing I could pull from it was that it was, you know, we see like the protomolecule crashing into Venus as the Arborgast. And to me, I was like, that looks like a sperm, like. Going into an egg. Fertilizer. Yeah. And then we have like Holden suspended like a fetus. And then Which was which was fully a nod to two thousand one a space yeah. Odyssey. Like let <laughs> us be clear on that. And then we have like the bird from Ceres that like the the camera focused on like a lot. Which I always thought that the bird was so important. Yeah. Is it? Um, is it? Like in season one, I expected it to be more of a thing, and then it just turns out to be one of Miller's memories. Hey, look, a fucking bird flying weird because it doesn't have gravity. But like, is like is the but like, what? It, there has to be something about the bird. But so like, t- like the summation of that to me is like, so is this just like a metaphor for Earth's universe? And it's just trying to say this is Earth's universe, and it's going to get you know the lights are going to get turned off if we don't figure out what the fuck is happening. In at the rest of the the multiverses, slash galaxies, slash whatever it is. Yeah, I got nothing. Well, I th- I think like the the sphere is just the center part of a worm wormholes that connect to all these other things, and the sphere destroyed a couple um, 
solar systems. But it. But I don't. Did it destroy? I, don't, I can't remember like what what happened in the finale. But um, did it destroy them purposely, or they were destroyed? No, it was destroying them purposely to um, stop the bad guys from getting to that the civilization. The flesh So if you, if you think about it, so 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 if you think about this, if you if, if we just say that the station is is that civilization, it was closing off those wormholes. So the thing that was coming after it couldn't get to them through those wormholes. Got it. But it eventually got to them somehow. And now I guess season four, one of the sub storylines is going to be who, who is this threat out there that can destroy this, a civilization this advanced. What are humans um, supposed to be doing about it? <laughs> Amoebas yeah, exactly. What are, what are our fleshy little asses going to do? Like we can't, <laughs> we can't even do. We can't even pull massive G's without passing out, and getting blood, getting nosebleeds. This will be like. Um, do you guys watch Rick and Morty's? Uh, I haven't watched Rick and Morty in years. No. Well, so um, Rick is like this super genius scientist, whatever. But yeah. he's he's like on the run in like several multiverses. Um, so one of the, it, it turns out one of the reasons he always takes his, um, grandson with him is that his grandson is such a simpleton that his brainwaves counteract his grandfather's so that his grandfather can continue to, like, travel without being worried about being, um, picked up on any of, like, the, the sensors that they've set up for him. So, like, maybe that's our role in this. <laughs> okay. Like, a, yeah, a dumb shield. Are, that we're the... <laughs> That we are there as buffers. <laughs> we are the lead that protects every, the universe. That makes the, the most sense out the of any theory the ever. Game, basically, we're the f- <laughs> <laughs> we're just the dumb shield. That's. But did, it, okay. did, did anyone read um, that book, that Narnia book, um, The Magician's Nephew? I think I like yes. stopped after the second or third one. And I was like, "Whoa, this is Jesus well, as like a child." Yeah, no, I read the whole thing when I was younger. Never got. The I Jesus never understood part, the Jesus I loved part it so either much. because, like, what, the magician's nephew is basically like this. That scene where it shows all the portals—that's basically like I think the magician's nephew is the first or second book, um, and it's basically an interworld. I think it's a third, a third, um, and it's like. Um, what do they call it? I wrote it down. Hold on. Um, it's like the wood between the worlds. And like you could go to all these different worlds if you go into these little pools that appear in these woods. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it reminded me of that. Um, so I don't know how that's Jesus-y since Jesus only believes in one universe and that God built the universe in seven days or something. Eight? Seven? Well, I, I found out in college that it was just that the Chronicles of Narnia were just one big, huge Christian analogy. analogy. Did it ruin it for you? It completely ruined it for me. I was so crestfallen. I was like, fuck this. I mean, and it these still hasn't again. ruined it for me because I don't understand what the allegory is. Like, where is it? What? I mean, Asriel, Asriel Aslan is fine. What story is there not like Jesus. a god figure? Aslan dies and resurrected. That's it. Like, that's, that's Jesus. It, like that's like the least. It's not like there. There's like this undercurrent of like, um, don't eat shellfish and being gay is terrible. Like it's like there's none of that. <laughs> so I don't see. Maybe listen, not in your text. The, the 
The whole thing with the Turkish delight is actually the metaphor for the shellfish and the gayness. Um, it was very, you that know, it was a thing. Um, Tur- Turkish baths. Exactly. That's mm, gay. gay. And delight is uh, and shellfish del- are delicious. little centaurs, super gay. Shouldn't eat it. Yeah. So... Oh, super gay. All right. I feel like uh, let's let's get into our well actually and petty dickery. <laughs> oh, um, I have one one more sciencey thing to say. Okay. Um, sorry. Okay. The um when Miller says your whole life is an illusion, it made me think like have you guys heard the theory like the simulation theory? Mm-hmm. Um so I thought that, yeah. that I was like is which is horrifying. Is, yeah, right? Because it's like so the whole thing about it is like it's a trilemma, quote unquote, where it's like there are three things possible. One, that um, the fraction of human level situation or uh, civilizations that reach a post-human stage, so like post us, like technologically, um, is one capable of running a high fidelity ancestor simulator is close to zero. So meaning like our future, um, our future in terms of technology will never be able to create a simulation that runs like mini versions of ourselves. So that's like one possibility. The second possibility is that we are able to do that, but we're not interested in running this simulation of our lives. And then the third theory is that we will have the hu- the computer capacity to run all of these simulations and will want to run all of these simulations, in which case, if the third one is true, then the likelihood that we are that. in a simulation right now is astronomically large because the amount of sim- simulations run versus actual lives lived is like such in like a, a huge, hugely percentage versus like the people who actually sur- like create everything and lived um, that we would most likely be in a simulation, which. So it's. Yeah. If number three is true, we are probably already in exactly. the simulation. Well, it sucks. Does it suck? I don't like it. (laughs) My issue is that why am I not? I give it a half star on you. Look, my back hurts right now. Yes, it sucks. But like, why why wasn't I written to be Beyonce? I'm happy with this Like, that's not fair. Because Beyonce was written to be Beyonce. But 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 like, I could live in my own universe where I'm Beyonce. I mean, maybe out there somewhere I am Beyonce. No, Beyonce would never, she would never sign away her rights. She doesn't have any rights. She's a fake person. (laughs) She's far too savvy of a businesswoman (laughs) in the simulation. Even in the future in the simulation, Beyonce is is Queen (laughs) Bee. Yeah. She, yeah. Um, Well, that's, do you guys think, like. I don't like that. It it, it itches your brain. Why did you ruin my Sunday? (laughs) Well, I I like it because it's like when I was at one point I was talking to somebody about like time travel and how could time travel actually be possible and I was like well if it's a it's a vacuum that you've created where you can reverse anything that ever happens like technically time travel is possible so that's like technically a simulation that you created where you can like rewind everything time travel is possible <laughs> um and so yeah I don't know what the point of my thing was now I'm just rambling because I've had lots of fun um I think the point was to ruin my Sunday. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, that's always the point, Jen. But I guess it's just like, I, don't actually I keep trying to figure out, like, what is this setting up? Like, what? I don't know. Anyways. Um, that maybe those wormholes are some sort of time travel thing? Or is it that the people who made us in their simulation, like, they died, and now we're in the simulation. Nobody's monitoring it. Like, nobody's, like, reset the router. There's no parental like, controls. What are, like, <laughs> things are falling apart. Worlds are being lost and we're all interconnected and it's just a matter of time before like 
the servers that we're pulling our data uh, from matter of time. are collapsing. Uh, what? No. I was making a matter of time. Oh. You said it's only a matter of time. Uh, I can I can hear you rolling your eyes, Jen. I just... I don't want to be. I mean, you wouldn't know. It doesn't matter. Well, well, what if I am? What if I do know now? And I'm just like, how do I reset well, you, this? You can't. You can't. Do I, should I blink really hard? <laughs> right? Like, what if when we all die... You don't have a corporeal body, like, so you wouldn't want to wake so up from this, the simulation. What if we die and just come this, come back and run the same simulation get, over again? This is like that show that only lasted a season, and it was a sci-fi show, and I brought it up on this podcast before, and I've already forgotten the name of it, but it had the dad from Cougar Town in it. Anyway, oh, and and uh, evil wife um, who was on the 100 slash uh, Saul Ty's wife on Sydney? Battlestar. Well, Sydney? Huh? Said, yes, yes, her. Oh. The hundred. I haven't heard of that show. Um, so it, is it any good? It was a really good first season, and like, I'm so sorry, I can't remember it, and I'll look it up at some point. I think it was like B something. Anyway, B thirteen. I don't remember. Anyway, and it was the idea of it was that there were all of these people living on this spaceship, and it had a very weird like 1960s sort of aesthetic to it. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, oh. Star Trek. God damn it. No. No. Oh, oh. It's. I, Do you know what I'm talking yes, about? Yes. The name I always think of is The Expanse, but it's not The Expanse. But it's not. It's, um, and so the idea. Continue. Sorry. Yeah. So 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 it's this, this show where there's this spaceship that everyone's living on and there's a murder on it. And so like the show starts out as trying to solve that, which incidentally is actually like kind of a little bit like how wool starts, except they're in a silo underground. That's oh, I've been reading that. Ahead. I forgot to tell you, but continue. Good. I'm proud of you. We'll talk about this later. <laughs> and, uh, and, and they space people. They space people in the same way that, you know, the hundred or, you know, any of these shows where you have space and you send people out of the airlock to like kill them or whatever. But it turns out that while these people think that they have been traveling through space for like, I think one or like several generations um, trying to find a, ha- a habitable planet, it's actually a spaceship that is inside this giant warehouse where they are being observed. They are being Truman showed, <laughs> um, but not for entertainment. Wait, why does this sound It's familiar? called Ascension. I, I found out. it. No wonder I thought it was the Yes, expanse. Ascension. It's like the same word. And it's it's listed as a miniseries, even though it ended on a cliffhanger. It was very clearly supposed to be a show that went on a while, but it was canceled after the first season. It's absolutely worth watching the first, like what exists, just because it was like kind of an interesting, like the aesthetic was really mm-hmm. interesting, the way that they set it up. And it, sorry to spoil, like we're just going to spoil this or whatever. But one dude gets spaced and like he flies out of the airlock. And then, like, basically, like, travels down one of those, like, uh, inflatable slides that airplanes have. And his whole fucking world is just shattered because he had no idea that he was not in space this whole time. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, it yeah, was... I, I vaguely remember watching this. It was, it was good. It, like, I wanted more. I was sad that there was not more. Um, but, you know, this sort of idea that, like... <laughs> You, it would break your brain to find out that. Y- was it on Sci-Fi? Because they, they do love to. It was probably sci-fi on some, like, shows. It was probably budgeted <laughs> by Sci-Fi. It probably aired on some Canadian thing. Um, but yeah, it was Ascension. That was totally the show um, where they broke people's brains when they found out that they were not real. Um, that their mission. I mean, they were real, but like everything 
about their lives, about this sort of society that they had built was all for nothing. Um, cool. Neat. Yeah. yeah. Existential crisis. Just what I need on Sunday. No big deal. Let's get into petty dickery. Okay. Um, yeah. Jen. <laughs> be the pettiest of dicks. I will be the pettiest of dicks. So I have a really hard time believing that re- any religion still exists in this future. Um, given that every study we see shows that religion is dying in, um, in Europe and there, the rise of non-affiliated people, uh, in the United States. I just, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, it's interesting to me as, as a contrivance within the expanse, but also like there ain't Methodists in the future. <laughs> like, the, <laughs> Like Mormons, like of all the religions to be still like going super strong. But that actually makes sense when you really think about it, that the ones who would be like building the giant spaceship to like fucking wherever the fuck, like the behemoth. Of course, it's the Mormons. It's Of course, it's the fan fiction uh, religion. Yeah, it didn't make sense to begin with. They're not going to like stop believing in it now. Yeah, like, I mean, which is not to say that all of them are not already bullshit, but you know. It just to me that they would hold any position of of power in the future is is kind of unrealistic given that kids are being born and not believing in in two thousand year old mythology anymore. Um, so, but the Mormons uh, yeah, are having the most babies. That's just, well, they do believe that everybody's going to get their own planet after they die. Why would so, I want my own planet? I, mean, I want my own planet. To, so you so you can live there with your family and all but your But wait, wives. but if they all Sounds have their own great. planets, then I am just the little prince on my own planet. I think everyone should get to be a little prince on their own planet. That sounds nice. <sighs> maybe maybe that's where all the the ring portals go to the Mormon. <laughs> to the Mormon. So that's everybody. that's where this is this whole fucking thing. This Instead is one of it being big, huge LDS propaganda general Christianity, show. it is a, a Mormon parable. <laughs> what was his name? Who came up with all this? Um, Joseph, Smith. Joseph Smith. Like he he stuck his and his magic, he wore a magic hat. hat. He stuck his head yep. in a hat and was like, you know, I'd like to fuck a bunch of ladies. <laughs> <laughs> But I need a reason to you do know, so. You know, here's the funny thing. I have not put my head in any sort of magical hat and reached a very similar conclusion in my life. So <laughs> what it okay guys, what if it is all LDS the show is nothing but LDS propaganda and Miller's hat is like Is the magic hat door? of Joseph Smith? Again, I hope that you just get raging angry letters <laughs> from Mormons. I mean, yeah. What what is your what is your well actually petty dickery bubs? Oh, I already said it. I forgot that it was like my well actually. I think I said it. Um, but I was just like I've been so annoyed by Miller because he was not my favorite character. Um, and I was annoyed that he came back. And um, I guess I was a little bit tickled by the fact that he is basically the proto molecule with its hand shoved up so far up his ass that his fingers are tickling his neurons like some fucked up marionette puppet. So, I mean, that made me enjoy it a little bit more. I thought he was tickling Holden's neurons. No, because Holden is still a sentient being by himself as far as we're concerned, and I think that's part of why it needed to be somebody else who closed the circuit, 
and not Miller because Miller is just pieces. Miller doesn't yeah. exist. He's he's a vision that Miller was creates in Holden's mind already. So yeah, there's no physical being there. Well, neat. Um, speaking of, uh, my will actually was uh, Miller saying, take your hat off, show some respect, and then leaves his dumb fucking hat <laughs> on. Like, That's because he's a little lady. The- oh, I see. <laughs> he, he gets to keep on his bonnet. Yes. Um, do we have any other thoughts of, of, of this? Of this madness? Mm. Mm. No, I think we looking at the notes. We already talked about Narnia. We mm-hmm. already talked about David uh, Strathern being amazing. I said it's bonkers. Cool. Uh, TV shows to recommend. Who wants to go first? Um. Okay. Well, Jen stole mine. Well, hopefully Shaheen cuts out these like fucking unenthusiastic. <gasps> no, I like the awkward silences. It it makes it real. Oh my god, they're, um, they're fun, are they? So because Jen stole mine, I. I think that Joe said this last time, but Mrs. Maisel, I finally did start season two, and it has it is Isn't it fantastic so, so far. And you always like wonder about like the sophomore slump. Um, but I think that so far it's completely avoided it. Um I really especially like her relationship with her ex husband. Um yeah. I thought that, that was really well done. And like Joel? you get it's so complicated for sure. But like it's I don't, it's like they're, they're trying to understand each other as like adult people, which is, it's a hard thing to do and it's messy, but they, they're trying to do that because they do care about each other, even if it's, they're not maybe the right people for each other. And then the other thing I wanted to say was, um, Surviving R. Kelly was a very like, I went through <laughs> all of it. I watched all of it in one sitting. Um, and it is fucked up shit. Like, um, I, you hear his, like, in the first episode, you hear, like, a little bit of, a, of his backstory, and you're like, oh, it's, like, so sad. Like, he, like, and and then, like, you get into the shit. It doesn't make you a pedophile, though. Oh, of course. Of course. But, like, you, you get, like, the background makes, like, the rest of it, like, it's, it's, like, a, a crazy contrast. And, like, yes, you feel bad about him in the beginning, and then shit just spirals out of control. Because at first you're like, well, he had no self-esteem. So from that perspective, not that it makes it okay, but you can kind of, like, be like, okay, so someone who has very low self-esteem, it's, like, easier for them to start relationships with people who are, like, naive and et cetera, et cetera. But then it just, like, goes to this, like, other place. Um, and... Yeah, anyways, people should watch it if they like that stuff. <laughs> cool. Okay. Neat. Uh, Jen, since you stole... <sighs> well, I guess I stole Russian Doll. How is um, it? From Bubs. It's as good as advertised. Um, to me, it started off a little slow, and the main character is not incredibly likable to begin with. But that changes um, over the course of the show as lessons are learned. And I think that's kind of really the point of the show, dealing with past trauma um, and, you know, learning to to love yourself a little bit more and to treat others well. So it was really good. Um, uh, I, I was a little obsessed, like 80% of the time I was obsessed with how these people afford the, the apartments they have in New York City. 
Um, and the other thing is Natasha Leone says cockroach. She pronounces it cockroach. And this really <laughs> bugged me. Uh, but other than that, I, I think it's a really charming show. And it, um, I, I, it it's it's positive after a while. So I really like okay. it. Okay. Um, we will add it to the list at some point. Um, I would like to recommend Sex Education. Yes. Um, which if you've ever, like, I think I recommended Big Mouth a few months ago, um, which is a show about a cartoon written by comedians about going through puberty and how awkward that is. And this is sort of a live action show about, uh, sort of, okay, we've gone through puberty. Now we are like late teens and how do we interact with sex? And so the premise of it is, uh, Gillian Anderson who, God, did she just get hotter? Like, (laughs) Fuck. Um, she plays a, a sex therapist with kind of boundary issues with her son, um, <laughs> if we're putting that mildly. Uh, and he sort of becomes this sex therapist for other teenagers at his school. And it's very sweet and awkward and uncomfortable and funny. And it's good if you, if you like, if you like, um, Big Mouth for sort of one sort of like awkwardness and heart and weird things that we all kind of went through or can empathize with. Um, yeah, it's it's very good. It's very well cast. Um, yeah, Sex Education. <laughs> yeah. You guys have both yes. seen it, right? It is really good. Yeah. 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 I like I like it generally. There are parts of it I have issues what, with. What, but, what did you have issues well. with? Um... I don't want to spoil anything. Okay. Well, oh, one other favorite, favorite discovery. And I think that I, I can't remember if I called this out on Twitter or not. But so Gillian Anderson's character uh, is, is very free spirited with her sex. And so you, there's kind of a running gag where her one night stands are found wandering around her house in this yellow floral bathrobe. And fun fact, it is the exact same floral bathrobe that uh, other characters wear in Marvel's The Runaways. Um, it is, I think it's from Forever 21 or something. I think it's I can't ASOS. remember, I like totally, ASOS, uh, it, it is a floral bathrobe that apparently wardrobe department decided to share. <laughs> um, all right, that's, that's all I've got. Do you guys have anything else that you would like to add? Good. Uh, nope. All right. Uh, we are going to be on the next episode talking about 311 and 312. I don't know why I wrote 311 and 310, but we will be talking about 311 and 312, uh, followed by the finale. And then I think we will have some time to get through some episodes of Humans before the 100 comes back. Um, the who? <laughs> for fuck's sake, Jen. Um, I think that's about all we've got. Uh, yeah. Thanks for Thanks for coming on, everyone. No problem. That was fun. Thanks for having us. I had wines. <laughs> <laughs> <Plural>. <laughs> All right, we gotta go. Bye. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.